This podcast uses profanity and topics may be disturbing for some listeners. Listen at your own risk. Welcome to Hell on Hills podcast. I'm Bryce. I'm Amanda, and I don't know what an inch is. <laughs> we are having a very educational start to our recording today. <laughs> uh, I learned that Amanda thinks the whole length of her finger is an inch. And I learned that that's not true. Uh, if you want to see that whole video, Amanda will be <laughs> posting that on Patreon for our patrons. Because yeah. I was confused as all get out there. Um, yeah, I severely misunderstood that whole thing. <laughs> there were probably instructions and I skipped half of them. I don't even think she read the instructions. Oh, I am not an instruction reader. No, yeah. my husband will tell you that. Uh, it, for, building furniture, putting all that together is a blast. So, yeah. So there's this thing called a ruler. Uh-huh. You would have to put 12 of your fingers together to get one ruler. Based off of your logic. Yeah, that, that feels like a long ruler. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Feels closer to a yardstick, doesn't it? A <laughs> little bit. Yeah. Okay. Well, now we're on the same page and we we both established that the length of your finger is not an inch. No. no. Just the little roughly the little section. And also a dollar bill is six inches. Six long. inches. Yeah. We learn I learned that as well, but yeah. I haven't fact checked James yet because I don't know if I believe him. I could see it. Two fingers together, about uh, six inches. Yeah, unfortunately, I can see that too. Which makes me really sad for the subway subs. For the six inches? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, well, I we're just here. Yeah. We're learning new things today. <laughs> um, whether they're good or bad, I couldn't tell you, but we are learning new things. Other than your uh new new gain knowledge of what an inch is, how are you? I think I'm doing pretty good. I'm tired, but I, f I finally got some sleep last night. I told you um, Annie is going through a 12-month sleep regression. Um, I ignored your text so we could specifically talk about it now, by the way. It's horrible. It's so bad. We will be, uh, we will all be, like, trying to get her to sleep. We tried putting her to sleep at, like, 7.30 the other night, and she went to bed at 3 in the morning. And it was just really excited to party. Yeah, but, that's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, good news for you is I'm going to teach you about something to scare her into submission today, so it's fine. This sounds wonderful. <laughs> okay. Not, we won't get into it right now, but it's fine. It's fine. Okay. Um. Well, what I've got a quick you? little story. Okay. You might have seen it on Snapchat because I was dying of laughter. So... I don't know if I've looked at them yet. Okay, well, that's fine. You haven't looked at it. So our, first of all, our hound, he is now a classic middle child where he acts like he's so neglected and abused hey, ever since hey, we got Maisie. I'm a middle child. Calm it down a little bit. Is that a classic middle child, okay? Yeah, me, right here. <laughs> Are you neglected <laughs> and abused? I felt like it <laughs> growing up. But, I mean, then again, oh. me and both brothers, we all have different versions of how we were raised. So, I'm sure <laughs> it's probably exaggerated. But Listen, he acts like he doesn't get any attention anymore. When he damn well knows he gets attention, okay? 
He just refuses to accept the attention. Anyways, That's not his fault. He's allowed that, to accept attention on his terms. But he's not allowed to pout that he doesn't get any attention when we try. Oh, he is absolutely allowed. No. <laughs> Point is, is that um, we're going out of town to go visit uh, my grandma at the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. And the issue is that my entire family is going. So the people that would typically watch dogs cannot watch dogs. And we could ask Cody's mom to watch the big dogs at least, but she's already going to be watching us or watching the dogs for us on the cruise. And I thought asking, asking her to watch the dogs, first of all, a second time within a month and over her birthday wasn't very fair. So yeah, I, I say that I always had the intention of getting uh boarding or something for the dogs. Right. Okay. And so um, the place that I boarded, I normally board the dogs at, their prices just skyrocketed. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I can't afford that. Like, it's just $500 for three or four days. Three days is just insane. That feels like holiday prices, and it also feels mm-hmm. really unfair. Mm-hmm. Well, so I, I thought, okay, I'm going to give Rover a try. Super okay. anxious about it, right? Because mm-hmm. I've never done it. I don't know anything about it. I'm real anxious about it. And so I found a lady. She had good reviews. Um, she's kind of in our area. She had the availability. But because it was Rover, I'm like, I want to do a meet and greet. I'm sorry. My dogs can be a little finicky with other dogs, really only like high energy dogs. Um, that looks delicious. Doesn't it look so good? He's He even plated it all fancy. He plated it fancy as shit. I don't even know what you're eating, but... A, a say, what am I eating? This is a smoked cucumber? What is this? This is not just a sandwich. Don't give me that shit. This is beautiful. She even said it looks beautiful. You plated it. Buffalo chicken, pepper jack cheese, cucumbers, lettuce, and then green beans in the middle. It looks like a flower. Huh. It does. Okay, we're going to go on so that you don't make me any hungrier. Okay, I'll sorry I'll send you, you my... Well, I'm also not eating until my mom's house because she's making green chili. Anyways, Ooh. Um, so we did a meet and greet with the rover person <clears throat> because I'm a l- I was a little nervous. But I didn't want to take all three dogs on my own. And I made one of my mm-hmm. friends come with and I didn't want to make her deal with all three dogs with me. So I only I decided yesterday I was going to do a mommy Ben's day. Me and the hound. It was just us hanging out. Aww. He had the time of his freaking life. Um. So he had the time of his life and we stopped at Petco on our way home. And I was going to let him pick out a toy. Like, I'm not that mean. Like, if I'm going to take you to Petco, you can get a toy. Like, yeah. if I go to Petco on my own, you're not, you, well, you'll probably get one. But I was going to let him choose a toy. He found a bone. Because, you know, Petco strategically places those damn unwrapped bones right at that right. bottom. Mm-hmm. He grabbed a bone and would not let it go. So that's what he got. Mm-hmm. As in, he carried it out of the store. Oh my God, my heart. That's a commercial waiting to happen. And that's the Snapchat you have not seen. Oh my God. Okay, now I'm looking forward to it. I'll make sure to watch it with Annie because she loves your dog Snapchats. She, he he was super happy about it. He, <laughs> he could not have been any happier. I did save the video as well so that you can see it now. Look at him. He is strutting. Uh oh, he dropped it. Nope. Oh, he was obviously it. he's going back for it, and <laughs> right. even happier the second time. It's like he dropped it for dramatic flair. 
He dropped it to get a better grip on it, I think. <laughs> and look at him. He's like, I don't know what way we're going, but we're getting to the car. Whatever way we have to, it Check doesn't it matter. Making sure you're still there. He's so proud of his bone. That is freaking He's precious. so proud. And he was like, okay, let's hurry it up, mom. Get me in. That was the most relaxing car ride I have ever had with him because he just laid in the back and chewed on it. <laughs> Genius. I was like, you know what? We're going to just stock up on these these bones, whatever these are, because they all just would sit in the back and chew on them. Anyway, so that was that was my story. That looked to be like a six inch bone. Based off of your calculations, yes, but I do believe it <laughs> might have been a little bit longer than that, actually. <laughs> That one might have been closer to 10 inches. Thank you. But yes, he was very happy strutting his stuff. And I know I talk about Maisie a lot, but that's because she's the biggest crackhead in my house. Mm-hmm. Ben's is my homie. Like he's, he's so lazy. He'll just snuggle. He just loves his pets and hanging out. And he's ever since then, he's been much happier, less moody. So I'm happier and less moody because I don't have to deal with his bullshit. See, that's how you have to treat a middle child. You just take them out whenever, you know, they are feeling it. Don't force them to put on a sweater the color of butter and go shopping with you. Is this triggering another memory? A little bit, yeah. Okay. (laughs) But just spend some time with them. I also want to know what, so I texted Amanda earlier today saying it's not a pants-off dance-off party. And you said that triggered a memory, and I need to know what memory that was. Me and my mom used to watch that. I never knew what it was. She used to watch it. She'd have it on as like, kind of like background music. So she would be like doing her. I don't remember what she was doing. I think she was still in college. So she would be on the couch doing like her college homework and stuff. Or if she had already graduated, she'd be doing like uh, lesson plans and stuff because she was a teacher. And she would Mm -hmm. just kind of have that on in the background because they did play good music. and. I guess the naked people were a plus. I don't know anything about it. I just know. Oh. I don't think I've ever watched it, I should say. I know it's like some show. I don't know. Program. Yeah, I think it was on like MTV or something. But it was just people dancing to um, <laughs> most of the time like popular songs of the time. And during, if I remember correctly, they would also like interview the people. So it was just like you or me would do it. But you know, they tell a little about themselves or show off their awesome dance moves. And a lot of times the people were pretty good at dancing. It wasn't like sexy. It was like fun. And they never got fully naked. Well, according to IMDB, real people would strip down to their underwear while they dance to music videos as an unseen narrator provides commentary for the viewers at home. Yep. That's it. Yeah, I don't think I ever watched it. At least I have no memories of it. But there you go. We watched it and we laughed at it a lot. It was was pretty good. And we also talked about never. I could never do stuff like that. Not in a million. (laughs) Like in the comfort of my own home is even a stretch doing that. So Mm -hmm. yeah. All right. Well, are there any other memories that we've triggered that you need to get out into the open? I don't think so. How about you? I haven't had any memories triggered yet. Do you want to hear the rest of the story? No, because we have business to talk about still. We spent 20 minutes talking about our listeners today. Oh, yeah. We still are trying to skip them. 
Yeah. Oh, my, my bad, guys. Amanda just can't wait to get the story out of her brain that she doesn't care about you guys, is what oh, we're hearing. Okay, look, it's a good story. But I guess we can chat about our listeners. Do you want to shout out food in front of me? So I'm distracted. I'm sorry. Oh, you're trying to get through your story so you can eat. I mean, that too. Yeah. Okay. Well, do you want to shout out our area today? Yeah, I do. (laughs) We we couldn't remember if we've ever shouted y'all out. I think we might have mentioned it, but never actually been like, hey, Canada. Thanks, guys. Ah, thanks everyone in Canada. We've noticed a few extra listeners in Canada pop up recently. So we just wanted to say hi. Hey, hello. Hi. Thanks for uh, plaid and poutine, I think. We just discussed poutine. We've never had it. Neither of us. I requested that James make it and he will one day. Okay. I'm just here. I'm... Well, you're weird because you said, I don't know if you would like it or not, but French fries, cheese curds, and gravy, sign me up. I don't, it doesn't sound appealing to me and it might taste delicious. I don't know. But if I'm going to put anything on my French fries, it is going to be cheese and carne asada and guacamole. And how dare you say that potatoes aren't appealing? They are literally appealing. It's not the potato. (laughs) It's not I'm, the potato. Okay. I'm upset at the disrespect you just put on that potato pun. How dare you? I'm ignoring <laughs> your potato pun for this because I would like to point out I found a TikTok page that is all about potatoes and I instantly followed it. Did you share it with me? <laughs> I can. can yeah, please. I, can. I love potatoes. I will eat them raw. Okay. I don't love them that much, but I do eat them cooked. If I could eat them every day, I would. Oh, I love them, like, in all ways. So, you know what? Speaking of potatoes, totally off topic. I was talking to my mom the other day, and I remember growing up. Here's my triggered memory now. Um, Perfect. I don't know if anyone else did this, but you can buy the potatoes that are peeled and sliced in a can. Yeah. Yeah. Growing Mm -hmm. up, we would drain it out, put it in a bowl, and put cheese, salt, and pepper, and microwave it. And that would be our cheesy potatoes, and they were delicious. That sounds actually like a really good snack because the potatoes in the can, they're from my, excuse me, from my knowledge or from what I remember, they're already like boiled or cooked or steamed or whatever Mm -hmm. you do to a canned potato. I don't know. Yeah. So it's like a perfect fast snack. Yeah. So now I want that, but it's fine. We will move on from the subject of potatoes. And instead, we'll move on to Patreon. So... Just so our Patreon listeners know, Amanda is slowly but surely working on getting the latest special up. We know it's late. Blame Amanda. I did put the video on the drive on November 23rd. And never mentioned it, ever. (laughs) And it was on the drive, though. I say blame the virus season. I say y'all are just going to have to wait. We're chronically late, so... Don't worry about it. Can that be our motto? <laughs> or did we find a new one? Okay, let's do it. Y'all just wait. We're chronically late. <laughs> You're welcome. I I found our new tagline. Did we have a tagline? I don't think we've had one. I feel like if we had one, it would be uh, that's a you problem. Well, I mean, we can't get rid of that. So we've got to combine them. 
What was it again? Oh, you're just going to have to wait. We're chronically late, and that's a you problem. <laughs> done. Okay, done. Done. Write it when down. I print it. it. Print it. Press it. Put it on a Wrap shirt. Wrap it. Yeah. Wait, I think okay. that's literally how you do that. Write it, print it, press it, put it on a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't have a cricket or anything. I thought you did have a cricket. No, I want one. But um, I have not. I keep buying other people's stuff because, you know, it's like Christmas season. How dare you? Okay. Um, all right. Well, also, we do want to just uh, shout out really quick. Most of the pictures, most of the time, are posted on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the things. Um, the only time we don't post is if we will get in trouble by anything. So when Amanda talked about multiple penises, we did not post those pictures. We, uh, uh, I blame we gave the Romans. you the name. I blame myself for allowing it. It's fine. <laughs> um, anyway, so typically our pictures are posted unless there are any copyright issues, anything like that. Um, those are so... Twitter is the only one that's different, and that's at Hell on Heels Pod. Everything else, um, Facebook, Instagram, Linktree, all the things, those are Hell on Heels Podcast. If you guys want to email us, you can also email us at Hell on Heels Podcast at gmail.com. Yes, we know it's a really long email. We don't care. So, <laughs> anywho, now we can move on to your story. Chew faster, faster, faster. Okay, so last week I introduced the Somerton man. And just for like a little recap, I told you that he was found on Somerton Beach. Authorities couldn't, um, and spoiler alert, ever <clears throat> find a definitive cause of death. But they believed it to be heart failure due to an untraceable poison. And I also told you about a suitcase that was found at a railroad station and that was believed to be his it was connected back to him and so was a book by a slip of paper that was torn from the back of it and i wanted to talk more about that book because they do eventually find it and it just opens a whole new leg of the investigation so the guy that turned it in he has remained unnamed because for whatever reason he asked and police were like sure we can do that but he finds it and he does eventually turn it over to him and authorities are going through it. And in the back, they find indentions where somebody had used it to write or maybe written in it and tore, up, tore that piece of paper out. They found indentions on the back cover. I meant to upload that picture, actually. Damn, you never do what you're supposed to. Get your shit together. Did I do it last week? Nope. Okay, so. Damn it. Hold on. I'm sorry. I can't explain it without showing that picture because uh, I do go on to talk about it in, sorry, in more detail. Now it has been uploaded. Sorry for your wait. <clears throat> this is the code that people have, I mean, decades. They have tried to crack this code and nobody has been able to. They found it written in the back of a book and they illuminated it with a UV light and they took a picture of it trying to document it and then according to marcel varallo he did a lot of investigating on this case and according to his website he claimed that this picture that is very widely known with this case might not even be the code that was written in the book he said that 
the original photo where they showed they shined the light on it and took a picture of it, it didn't come out well. So what they tried to do was take a pen and trace it. And then we ended up with this. But Varallo also showed or posted on his website a transcript from a television interview with the police superintendent at the time. And in this transcript, the code is described as fairly uniform, written in a square, and it had rather uniform letters that appeared to be a bit scrawled. That's not exactly how I would describe this photo. Just, okay. It, obviously, it's gibberish from what I can see here. I don't understand mm -hmm. anything. Obviously, I am very American and don't know this could be, it could be words from a different language. I'm not recognizing whatever. Point and being is all I get out of this is I'm paying TP. Okay. Thank you. I'm paying TP. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the P actually is an example and the A. So it's funny that you pointed that out because Varalo, the, see the P A N that you're looking at? Mm -hmm. That little dot under the line in the a he claims that that could possibly be like a resting point where they rested the pin while they were tracing and then also that little mark inside the p could also it could have potentially been something else and that's why it was kind of put there and i guess flawed that was just two of them so it was just funny to me that you pointed that out okay well that's all i saw were the flaws <laughs> But this photo has been shared around the world countless times. So many different people tried to crack it. We've had college professor, professors, college professors, intelligence agencies, Scotland Yard. Nobody has cracked this code. We don't even know if it's a code or just a random grocery list. We have no idea what this means. Uh, maybe, maybe. He was playing like, I don't want to say Sudoku because that's with numbers, but maybe he was playing like a crossword or a decoding game and he was putting letters down because he was like, huh, not this one. Because I can see like the M-L-I-A-O-I -I is crossed out. So. Mm -hmm. And if you look at that very first W. Looks like you can't even tell an M. Yes. Like in class when you had a true or false question. So you would do a T with those tiny little F. So you could potentially claim that it was a false. Right. That's what it looks like. But with an M and a W. This wasn't all that they found in the book either. They also found written down two phone numbers. One was a local business. And I could not find any information on what it actually was. Because again, for whatever reason... Police never released who that business, or I'm sorry, the business that that number belonged to. But they did say they didn't think it was sketchy and it was just casually written down in the book. The other phone number belonged to Jessica Ellen Thompson. She also went by Joe or Justin. She was 27 years old. She was married. She was a mother and a nurse. And she lived 400 meters from where Summerton Man was found. Police asked her, why is your number in this book? And she didn't know, but she did tell them that she gave a copy of that book to an old friend that she met years ago named Alfred Boxel. 
And police asked when the last time she'd spoken to him, if they're still in touch. And she said that they weren't. They fell out of touch during the war. And she, he had tried to contact her. But by that time, she was married with a child. So I guess basically she was like, hey, sorry. You missed your chance. Yeah. You went to war, you selfish, selfish man. And I stayed here. How dare you miss your opportunity with a woman of my, my standing. How dare you do what the government told you to do and leave me here to find love elsewhere. Bullshit. Now, she did agree to go with police to the Adelaide Museum to look at the bust and tell them if she recognized the man. So they get there and she looked at the ground the entire time. And when she finally did look at the bust, police said that she never looked at it again. She looked at it one time and refused to look at it. And that when she did see it, they had a policeman go stand behind her because she was so shocked. They thought that she was going to faint. They said she had looked like she saw a ghost. And then she told them that she had no idea who the man was. Okay, in her defense, that would probably be me. But it's only because, like, the corpse and, like, the the ick. Well, remember, they didn't. They had already buried the man. But they had that taxidermist. I probably should have mentioned that. I said last week in the last episode that they had already embalmed him and buried him. But they made a bust of his head and, like, shoulders. And that is what the woman saw that made her just kind of freak out. Okay, that's right. You did mention that, and I just blacked it out. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe it's because she killed him. Obviously. I'm going to remember you said that. (laughs) So... They, police asked her, like, you know who this is? She said no. And then they asked, well, do you think it could be Alfred? And she said, I don't know. And they asked her a couple more follow-up questions. And every question, she either didn't answer it or she answered with, I don't know. For the second time in history, this is when police agreed not to put this woman's name in the story. But we do eventually find out who she is. So instead, they let her go. They tracked down Alfred Boxel, and he still had his copy of the Rubiot. He showed them his copy and told them that Justin gave him the book in 1945. And they had met up for drinks before Alfred left for war is when she gave him the book. He did not know her by Joe. He strictly knew her as Justin, but she had been, she had like a bunch of aliases for whatever. So she's the other part of the spy. She was the target and she won. I didn't forget my theory, by the way, so. (laughs) I was wondering if you were going to loop back around to that. I did. You're welcome. Uh, After police talked to Alfred Boxel, this case just kind of stayed there. It kind of, the leads died with this, and it stayed here for decades until... I uh, believe it was 1999. Derek Abbott, I mentioned him in the last episode. He kind of started researching it. And Derek Abbott is a smart man. Like he has a lot of very college words behind his name. So he has a PhD. A PhD. Pitch. Pitch. He's a pitched. I don't know. I don't have one. So we don't know what those are. No, but he has one. We go to people with those when we're sick, though. So hopefully. God, we hope. Yeah. I don't 
Uh, I don't want to see any Dorothea Puentes or fake Puchdas when I'm sick. Yes. So he has a Puchda. He is a professor at the University of Adelaide. And he's also, casually, uh, director of the Center of Biomedical Engineering. He is a physicist and an electronic engineer. And he does sometimes help police with unsolved cases, which is how he became obsessed with the Summerton Man story. Through years and years of research on this, he eventually collect, uh, connects with Jerry Feltus. And Jerry Feltus literally wrote the book on this case, but it's $250 on Amazon because they don't print it anymore. So I didn't get to read it. But if you have a copy, let me borrow it. Or do some photocopies and send them Amanda's way and my way. Yes, but not with UV lights because I hear sometimes that can damage uh, the integrity. Feltus was a retired detective. And he was also obsessed with this case. And eventually they team up and they pull their resources in 2009. They no longer work together, which I will get into a little bit later. They had a falling out. But through their teamwork, Abbott was able to discover that Joe Thompson was the police's star witness that had never been mentioned before. They were able to, or nope, I already said that. By the time he learned Joe's name, she had already passed. So he looked into her family and was going to try to talk to him about this a little more. He discovered she had a son named Robin Thompson, who unfortunately had also passed by the time he found his name. But Robin Thompson was a professional ballet dancer, which is interesting if you remember those crazy calves that the Summerton Man had in the first episode. No, I didn't remember, but thanks for the reminder. Do you want me to go back and read you the entire first part 11 again. pages? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I remember can't. now that you said something. Uh, yes, basically they believe that Summerton Man was either a ballerina or he was somebody who wore high-heeled wedged shoes because of the way his calves were so crazy, so high up on the leg. They see that a lot in ballerinas and people that are, you know, they specifically work out that part of the muscle. Can confirm because I was and I never got rid of that muscle. So you were a ballerina or? Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. For like, I don't know, nine and a half years. And then I quit because I wanted to do soccer. But... I did not know that about you. <laughs> really? Yeah, I danced. I like competition dance for nine years. And then I took a year off and I went back for about half a year. and. Decided not to do it anymore because I was, I liked soccer and track and basketball. I just got into different sports. Okay. I mean, I'm not judging you. I just didn't know. Did I just like that? Based on your reaction, I feel like I should add that to my two truths and a lie. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But now where... don't use it with me because I know. See the calves? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I also did dance, but it wasn't long term. Oh, God. Yeah, I did it for a long time. But I also got to, like, travel around and see the country. So that was fun. We but this isn't that. about me. This, this is, about, is about the Summerton yeah. Man. This is about the professional ballerinas. I stopped when I got my molars or something. I don't know. So Robin was a professional ballerina. And so Abbott presented a theory where Robin was actually the son of Summerton Man. And that he believed that he was an illegitimate son between Joe and Summerton Man. And there were records that suggest a physical timeline of Robin not being the son of Joe's husband. 
And if you look, I added some random photos of teeth and ears. Oh, that's those disgusting things I wasn't looking at. Okay. Yeah, that we're going to talk about them. So now you have to look at them. If you look at those pictures, Robin shared multiple genetic similarities to the Summerton man. And I listed two of those things because it gets really long-winded really fast. So I have the ear thing and the teeth thing. The ear thing, his, his as in Robin's, the little like divots, I guess you could say, in your ear. You have the upper one, which is the Simba, and the lower one, which is the Cavum. Typically, people have, I don't know if you can see mine, people have a wider bottom that, or no, I said it backwards, a wider top than a bottom. But mm -hmm. in Robin and the Summerton Man, his upper ear was larger than his bottom. Did I say that right? The top, you said the top was larger than the bottom. Okay, yes. And his, the top is larger than the bottom. And most people, the bottom is bigger than the top. Okay, I think you said that backwards, or maybe I just I think I said listening. it. I think I said it backwards the first time because I was reading like ahead in my notes faster than my mouth would move. Okay, so but. typically the <laughs> bottom one is smaller than the. Oh, typically the bottom one is bigger than the upper one. Right, and in theirs the top upper. is bigger than the bottom, so okay. it's backwards. And this only happens, this is a characteristic possessed by 1% to 2% of Caucasian people. So really, really tiny numbers. Abbott estimated between 1 in 10 million and 1 in 20 million people have this, like, genetic marker. Yeah, it makes you wonder, doesn't it? Like, looking at it now, hold on. Uh-huh. I feel like, so wait, say it again. So the top is typically bigger than the bottom. Backwards. The oh, okay. bottom is usually bigger than the top. That's the bottom. That's the top. Okay. Yeah. So that's how it is for me. Okay. I'm not special. No, I'm not either. Not in I this tried. way, at least. I tried. It's fine. You were a ballerina, though. So there you go. I've got the high calves. Yes. But not the ear thing. So the tooth thing, I think the tooth thing's pretty cool. And I did mention this in the first episode, too. So if you look at that picture, that is Robin's teeth. Those are Robin's teeth. Whatever. A picture of Robin's mouth and teeth. Mm hmm. And you can see we have these two teeth and then we have these little two square teeth and then our canines. If you look at his, his just go your two front teeth and then your canines. He's missing these teeth in between. And I read a, I went on a, what? On a goose chase about whether this is hyperdontia or anodontia. I'm not a dentist. Okay. So I'm not sure. But basically, you're that's... also not a PhD. No, a pitchda. I, I don't have a pitchda in dentistry <laughs> or teeth in general. Um, I just remembered a story I was going to tell you. I'll tell you later. Okay. But the Summerton Man and Robin, they're both missing the upper lateral incisors. So the two teeth on the opposite of your two front teeth. This Listen, is also... all I want for Christmas is my two front teeth. All they want for Christmas is the teeth beside their two front teeth. Those are part of their two front teeth. Four front teeth. Four front teeth. I fixed it. Oh, you, okay. You're just bringing that to the forefront. Yeah. <laughs> I'm on a roll today. I don't know what's happening. So this was another just really small chance that this would happen between two people. And he used this to believe, 
he used this to promote his belief that this is father and son. Now he keeps investigating Robin and he learns that Robin had a daughter with a woman named Roma. Roma and Robin were both dancers in the Australian ballet and they had a daughter that they unfortunately ended up having to give up for adoption. She was adopted and moved to New Zealand where she grew up with her family and she had absolutely no idea she was adopted until well into her adulthood. And when they finally told her, I believe, which I thought was weird, I did read that she got a letter from the government that was telling her she was adopted. And I just wonder if that's a thing that I don't think our governments do it, but I thought it was interesting. That is very interesting. Yeah. New Zealand, let us know. Is that a thing? So from New Zealand, she tracks down her mother and she moves closer to her to develop a relationship. And from what I read, they did have a good relationship with one another. Abbott found this woman. Her name was Rachel Egan. And he started contacting her and she decided to meet up with him to talk about the possibility that Rachel was the granddaughter of the Somerton man. So they meet up and they were engaged a few days later. And within, I read, two weeks, they were married. Wait, whoa, repeat that. What? Hold on. Rachel uh, and Abbott. Abbott's the one doing the research, right? Uh-huh. They meet. They're engaged within two weeks and married. Um, engaged within a few days and married within two weeks. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, not not unheard of. Um, yes. And she did. She said that they just, they had a lot in common with their childhoods and I assume other things. Um, I just... I wasn't expecting it. That's all. I just wasn't expecting an interview to a marriage, but that's one hell of a how we met story. Honestly, yes. And from everything I could find, they are still married. They're still happy. That's a photo of them. They have three kids. They're doing great. So uh, obviously they knew something. There had to have been a spark. Fine. I'm not, like I said, I'm not judging them. It just really threw me off. Yeah, a lot of people do judge them for this. It's rumored that that is why Feltis and Abbott no longer correspond. And it's, I also read that Rachel unfortunately fell out of touch with her mother because of this. Because her mother was, I mean, I can't, as a, as a person, you know, I can't blame her mother for being skeptical. I don't know that I would necessarily fall out of touch with somebody over it, but I have, wasn't in the situation either. But in an interview I read, uh, Rachel even joked about Abbott marrying her for her DNA. I love it. I mean, it. I think, I it's, think it's hilarious. Uh huh. But also very insulting, especially to their be- like their very cute little girls. You know? Oh, they're so cute. I couldn't find a picture of their third child, but if it's anything like the first two, precious. Right. I liked her joke though. Uh, because they did eventually use her DNA and they tested it against some strands of hair that Abbott found in that bust that the taxidermist made. He tried a couple times over the years, I believe twice, to get them to exhume Summerton Man's body. And Australia was like, no. So he re-examined the bust and found a couple of hairs in it. And he worked with an American woman named Colleen Fitzpatrick. She's forensic genealogist and she specializes in using dna to solve cold cases they use a genealogic what they used a genealogical 
Yeah, I think that's it. Genealogical. It wouldn't be gynecological. No, that's different. Those are different hairs. Yes. (laughs) I hate myself. They used a genealogical research database called GED Match to find a distant cousin of the Somerton man. And once they found this cousin, they started constructing a family tree of 4,000 people, roughly. So give or take one. Yeah, they were busy. Once they found all these people and made what I can only imagine is the biggest tree I've ever seen in my life. Like a, what is it? A sycamore? Sir? I think that's what Pocahontas said, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Pocahontas. Thank you, Disney. They started using archived reports. I'm sorry, archived (laughs) records to try and compare these people to what they know about Somerton Man. So they took birth certificates, death certificates, marriage certificates, anything they could find that was still around and started comparing it to these people. And Abbott claims to be 99.9% confident that they have correctly identified the Somerton man, which is what led me to doing this story because this is pretty recent, like uh, this year and last year. Okay. He believed, or I should say they, because it is at this point, Abbott and Fitzpatrick, They believe that the Somerton man's name is Charles Webb. He was born in Melbourne on November 16th of 1905. He was one of six children, and he's the only one of those children without a record of death. Records did show that he married Dorothy Jean Robertson in October of 1941. And at the time, Webb's occupation was listed as an instrument maker. I don't know what that is, but it sounds cool. Records also show that he left Dorothy in April of 1947, and Dorothy filed for divorce in 1951 on grounds of desertion. She moved to Butte, about 89 miles northeast of Adelaide in 1951, and they believe that the Somerton man could have potentially been there trying to find her when she died. The code, when people ask Abbott, like, okay, well, what about this code we have in this book? He claims that through his research of Charles Webb, he learned that Webb liked to bet on horses. So he believes that this code is potentially horses' names in Webb's own version of shorthand. And then the Tomham Should paper, he said that Webb also enjoyed poetry and he even wrote his own. So he said that could just be you know, a poem that he liked or something like that. As of July, police had and July of this year, police have not closed the case, but they did finally exhume Somerton Man's body in May of last year, 2021. And from what I read, they seem cautiously optimistic, but are awaiting DNA results. How long does it take to get DNA results? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the man's been dead for a long time, so maybe the DNA wasn't great. Maybe it takes longer. I don't really know. I don't but know I'm either, like, but... I want to know. Like, we're this close. How dare you do this story without giving me closure? <laughs> Why would I I do guess that? it doesn't really tell us how he, uh, like, if he was murdered or, you know, yeah, like, we by s- who. We still have absolutely no idea how he died, why he died. But it was a broken heart. A... Because of his wife? Uh-huh. It very well could be. Which is just sad. God, I hope not. That seems sad for both of them. Not to uh, put a little damper on your story or anything. (laughs) 
I was trying to end on a high note, but then Bryce came in. I'm sorry. I mean, he was really just a spy. A lot of people, that is a very common uh, belief because a lot of people, this is like World War II. What year was it again? 49. Right yeah, after, okay. Right around World I War II. I thought so. Thought like right towards either the end or at the end. Yeah. Okay. This is around World War II. So they believe, especially having to do with that code in the book, a lot of people argue that he was a spy and he got found out and he got taken care of. They claim that that would explain why he was so dressed so nicely and he was in a suit that was not able to be purchased in Australia. That would also explain why some random person was carrying him along the beach to dispose of him and his shoes weren't scuffed. People believe that he was a famous ballet dancer. People believe all kinds of crazy things. And I love every one of them. But I'm just hoping if this proves... Sorry, go on. I was going to finish. I was hoping if this proves who he is, it will let us know. Oh, I'm hoping... My favorite belief today is that your finger is an inch long. Okay. Well, we're just not going to let this die. (laughs) Sorry. Anyways. (laughs) um, No, just to clarify, World War II ended in like 45. So this would have been after World War II. Okay. But that doesn't mean he wasn't a spy. Oh, I also meant to say too, that final photo. I'm sorry. That is what they believe Somerton Man should have, would have probably looked like when he was alive. Okay. Okay. He was a handsome guy. He could be a I spy. Say, he looks very handsome and very yeah. well put together, but it's also no one's sure on that one. So he could have been a spy. Maybe that was, was just a spy. I think he was a spy for yeah. sure. With teeth like that, you just got like middle teeth mm. or two front teeth canines. Those canines have bit a person. I guarantee you. <laughs> Something like that. Mm hmm. All right. I mean, I like it, but I don't like it because there's not closure. I know. I was too excited to wait. And also, like, I waited this long. I don't want to wait anymore. But come on, Australia. Let us know. together. Well, how about we go to a different area of the world and we go and talk about my story? Okay. Oh, okay. I just remembered what it was. As you get excited, don't I know I said last time that I was going to do Krampus, but there was just too much to research and I was focused on the cruise and so it's not Krampus. I'm a biscuit. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. It's Krampus. Oh, I'm literally looking at the pictures and I'm like, then what the heck am I looking at? <laughs> I was going to say, like, <laughs> you're looking at the pictures. Anyways, I'm just kidding. No, it is Krampus. It was actually a really short story, surprisingly. But tis the season. Tis the Krampus season. Cannot wait to make a collage of this. Okay. Okay, so the word Krampus is thought to come from either the Bavarian, um, why do I think that's not the right word? Bavarian's correct, but Prampin doesn't seem correct. Hold on, let me get my source for that up. Kazan doesn't seem correct. Is it actually Primping? No. And we have like a Krampus Primper? No. Bavarian. It's just an extra word. It's fine. Okay. Don't know what it means. Okay, so the word Krampus is thought to come from either Bavarian meaning, um, which is meaning dead or rotten, or most commonly, most people believe that this is coming from the German word Kramp or Krampen, meaning claw. 
Um, again, let's just dive right in. And also, uh, disclosure, there's a lot of German words. I just can't say them. And Wonderful. I did not ask for help this time from James. Because he Wunder wasn't... A Wunderbar. Well, all I'm saying is last time he wasn't super helpful either. So I just was like, it's fine. We don't need his help. Anyway, so if I say anything incorrectly, I apologize ahead of time. I already know that people are going to say it's not Krampus, it's Krampus. I don't know what's correct, okay? I'm American. <laughs> Thank you. Anyways, so this is the season, uh, blah, blah, blah. So Krampus is a horned anthropomorphic figure who is mostly found in Central and Eastern Alpine folklore. Are you shaking your head at anthropomorphic? That's just like human-like, right? Yeah. Okay. It's human-like. Human-esque. It is widely believed that the legend of Krampus originated in Germany. He is believed to have been part of pagan rituals for the winter solstice well before the Christianity time frame. Uh, the legend really starts, and there's not a lot of backstory, by the way. There's not a lot of, like, legend. It's not like the Native American... Um, folklore or the indigenous ones that we have that we've talked about it, there's not a lot with how the thunderbird like not thunderbird there's not a lot about how krampus came to be like there is for thunderbird or other things like that mm-hmm. however he is believed to be the son of hell and hell is the norse god of the underworld okay some sources said that he is also the son of loki um or the grandson of loki i didn't really get a lot of clarity there but anyways so that's kind of where his legend starts he is often seen as a symbol of punishment or retribution. Again, he is believed to come from pre-Christian Alpine traditions, Alpine, the Alps. Um, so right along there in Germany, though, mostly. The Alpine traditions included celebrations with Krampus, which reportedly date back to the 6th or 7th century. Holy crap. Yes. Other sources state that the folklore began in the 12th century. Now, Again, conflicting on what they have. So we have some that say it's as early as the 6th or 7th century and some that are as early as the 12th. There is no written reference to Krampus until the 16th century. And by the 17th century, Krampus had been incorporated into Christian celebrations. Now, you might ask, why is Krampus so popular with the Christmas season? Like, this is Santa's time to shine, not Krampus. I was going to ask, because he does not seem um, to... Cheery. be the reason for the season he is not the reason for the season he is bless him he is wonderful some interpretations depict him as punishing i skipped like three bullet points hold on <laughs> okay so krampus is so popular in christmas season and it's because during this season he is said to scare the naughty children or the wicked children so this is where it's scaring annie into submission so that that 12 month sleep regression ends um, yeah, the, so either the Krampus or the uh, Le- oh, yeah, the um, I keep wanting to say rigmarole, Rougarou. I was gonna say it's with an R, but mm-hmm. the Rougarou, yes. Well, he said so. Krampus is said to scare children, the naughty children, and some interpretations depict him as punishing them or even just taking them as a whole. Oh. That would make me behave. <laughs> right? The thought of that thing taking <laughs> me. No, thank you. As Christianity grew and St. Nicholas became a more prominent figure, the legends kind of combined. 
into one. So you'll hear a lot of like St. Nicholas and uh, Krampus together. And it's, a lot of that comes down to just those combining. And this was actually against the Catholic Church's effort to basically ban Krampus. But the legends still combine where St. Nicholas and Krampus are, Krampus are together. Uh, and the legend actually would end up depicting Krampus as assisting Santa in sorting out the good and bad kids. Now, we're coming up on a holiday. You might not know that. And it's not the Christmas holiday. We're coming up on Krampus's holiday. Traditionally, on December 5th, which is known as Krampus Night or uh, Krampus Nacht. I don't know how to say it in German, but rough translation is Krampus Night. Uh, in the legend, the dynamic duo of uh, St. Nicholas and Krampus, they go out on the town. They would go visit the children on the night of December 5th. Now, there are some variations that show St. Nicholas and Krampus together. Some variations say that Krampus is alone. When he is accompanied by St. Nicholas, just to give you a visual image, when they go out on the town together, St. Nicholas is often seen carrying a golden ceremonial staff and dressed in the Eastern Rite vestments of a bishop. So he's dressed nicely. So they're like going out on the town. Well, then you have Krampus, who's, it's like yin and yang. You've got like Santa Claus and then this hairy beast, Krampus. I believe I see a picture of that on here. Anyway, I don't know. I put so many pictures on there. Anyways, so they go out. Now, regardless, St. Nicholas and Krampus, they go visit homes, businesses, and whatever. Children on this night would leave a shoe or a boot out for the night. And Santa, not Santa, I'm sorry, St. Nicholas, he would reward the good children with small gifts such as fruits, dried fruit, or sorry, dried fruits, oranges, walnuts, chocolate, basically snackage. Okay. Which I am in for. Like, go oh. ahead and leave me snackage. I love a good snack. Yeah. Just make sure it's a brand new shoe that you leave outside because they leave it in the shoe. Oh. Anyways, uh, Krampus, on the other hand, he would, he's said to punish the naughty children. Some sources state that he provides coal to the children. Others say it is often that he is depicted swatting or beating children with birch rods. I thought you were going to tell me he takes their shoe. No, he just full on hits them. He just beats the shit out of them. He's <laughs> oh my like, God. Sorry, it's not funny because the, the child being beaten like that is not funny. But Krampus, the imagery, I'm sorry. Have um, you ever seen The Office? <laughs> no. Oh, there is an episode where one of the characters dresses up as Campus, Krampus. Campus. Yeah. Dresses up as Campus. They have like a Christmas themed Krampus party. You need it's it's great. Okay, that's well, all I mean, I'm envisioning right now because he goes okay. around hitting people. Well, others do depict Krampus as eating the children or just taking them as a whole and taking them to hell to either eat later or drown later. How do you drown someone in hell? They can't have water in hell. I don't think they can. No. <laughs> okay, that's news to me. Just thought it would be boiling water. Oh God. So, anyways, um, there's another holiday that you might not be aware of. So, that's December 5th. That's Krampus Night. Krampus Night. I don't know. I'm trying really hard to say it correctly, and I'm probably offending people, and it's, I'm sorry. Anyways, on December 6th, the following morning, this is known as St. Nicholas Day. Some call it Feast of St. Nicholas um, or Nikolastag. So, the morning, children would wake up and look outside in the door to see what had been left in their shoe. They could have had the present. From St. Nicholas, their little mm -hmm. snackage, their treat. 
Um, or if they were not taken, a rod, like a birch rod from Krampus or coal or something that's not as exciting. What kind of psychological torture? <laughs> and if you get like a birch rod or coal, do you have the ch- do you have the time to turn around and be good for Christmas? Is that the point of this Krampus night? Well, the point is that he's taking most of the naughty children. So, oh, that's the point. Okay, <laughs> I don't know what the point is. Okay, anyways, uh, Krampus is typically described as half goat, half demon, but full nightmare. Uh, he's hairy, usually brown or black, cloven hooves, horns of a goat. Some reports say that he has one normal foot, and then the other is a cloven hoof. Um, it just depends on which one you want to believe. He has a long, forked, pointed tongue, which lolls out. He has fangs. He carries chains, and these are thought to symbolize, so some say these are thought to symbolize the binding of the devil by the Christian church, or that the chains are just the subservient position of Krampus to St. Nicholas, and it's possible that he's forced to wear them in these legends, but he likes to thrash the chains in a dramatic effect. And sometimes on the chains are different sized bells. Okay. For jingle bells, jingle bells. Oh, we got to make sure to add that part in there. Jingle all the way. No, that's me adding that. That is not by any means accurate. He's known to swat or beat the children with a bundle of birch branches, which he carries. Uh, These do come from more pagan origins. And this bundle of birch branches is called a root. In some variations, the birch branches are simply replaced by a whip. So, I mean, whatever. No big deal. Sign of the times, I guess. And sometimes he appears with a sack or a basket strapped to his back. And this Mm -hmm. is to cart off the little wicked children so that he can drown, eat, or transport them to hell. Other versions just show him shoving them into a bag, children into a bag, and taking them away. Yeah. So... There are a ton of regional variations for Krampus. Some variations that depict him as very fearsome and nightmare-esque, and others depict him as more humorous. So it just very much depends on where you're at. So some of the different folklore include Austria, Bavaria, Croatia, the Czech Republic, Hungary, uh, Northern Italy, the autonomous province of Trento, South Tyrol, Slovakia, and Slovenia. Now, in, I really, like, there's, most of the uh, variations that I mentioned are very similar. Like, there's not a whole ton that are different. But in the Styria Austria, Krampus actually presents the root to the families. He doesn't take the children, but he presents this root or the bundle of birch twigs, whatever you have. Uh, He presents them to the family, and they are painted gold and displayed year-round in the home. So this is meant to act as a reminder for children who have been misbehaving and a little naughty. So that Krampus is after them. I thought it was a nice gift to the family. No, it's another threat. No, it's a reminder that on (laughs) December 5th, if they don't get their shit together, (laughs) Krampus is coming. So anyways. In some of the smaller, more isolated villages in the same area, Krampus has other beastly companions, such as the antlered wildmen figures. Um, some of these, oh god, I put down what they're called. The Schabermanner or Ruhen. That's what they're called. So other companions. And in a lot of these traditions, St. Nicholas is not depicted at all. It's just Krampus. 
Austria also does depict a toned-down version of Krampus in the more urban areas, and it shows a more humorous version of Krampus, and they're more tourist-friendly interpretations. Tourist-friendly. Tourist-friendly, yes. (laughs) So there's that. Now, in many of these different versions, much like how we offer milk and cookies to St. Nicholas, it is customary to offer something to Krampus. Would you like to know what to offer, or would you like to guess what to offer him? Children. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, schnapps. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. This is a man you offer a peppermint beverage to. A peppermint adult beverage. Some schnapps. Hand him some schnapps. He'll be happy. Now, there is a play that historically could have played into uh, kind of bringing Trumpus and St. Nicholas into the same story. Um, and that is, it's called the Nicholas play or it's Nicola Bill. I don't know how, how that's said. It's a seasonal play spread through the Alpine region and it, it features a competition for human souls. And it really played on the question of morality. And in these plays, St. Nicholas would reward children for their scholarly efforts, not necessarily like good and bad. It was scholarly efforts. Oh God, I'm dead. But this play kind of brought that whole St. Nicholas to this area And in this area, people would also dress as devilish figures known as perched. And this is a separate creature from Krampus, but many people will often combine the two. And the perch is actually a humanoid goat with a giraffe-like neck. And people in this area would wear animal furs and would march in a procession. And this is all around the same time that this play was going on. And again, this play just really helped to kind of combine St. Nicholas and Krampus into the same folklore. But there is this procession, and this procession historically was known as Perchten Lafen. And many sources just regarded this Perchten Lafen as the earlier form of the Krampus Lauf, which Krampus Lauf uh, loosely translates to Krampus Run. It's basically a parade. Oh, okay. Yep. In modern times, people will dress up as their interpretation of Krampus and parade around in the streets. That's fun. Well, wait, do they hit people with birch sticks? No, there is no physical contact. So they don't take my children either. They might chase your children. That's fine. Okay. Just Um, don't take them. Well, in modern times, they dress up. Stories of these often involve, and also... A lot of sites or sources that I read said this can last up to two weeks of them doing this. Just uh-huh. two weeks of people dressing up and chasing children in the streets. This sounds like a part. It's all this damn schnapps they're drinking. The schnapps. Yeah. Um, a lot of stories involve that these men, women that are dressed up will terrorize children and even follow them into their home where they continue to terrorize the children. Okay, that's where I draw the line. You want to chase my daughter down the street? Have at it. That's fine. But don't come in my house chasing my... Mm, no. Even even well, dogs get a safe spot. Okay. It is said to be a welcome tradition for many parents who the parents... Well, now one thing I did neglect to mention is that often... They're drunk while they're doing this. You have a drunk man in a Krampus costume chasing a child. Oh, well, that changes things. That's perfectly fine. Then My back door is always open for you, schnapps man. Well, a lot of parents will also supply the already drunk cosplayer with more alcohol and then just send them on their merry way to go terrorize more children. Does this still happen now? 
Yeah. You got to go to Germany, <laughs> Austria, Austria, Germany, Alps. Oh, we got to go. Oh, God. Um, yeah. So I mentioned that the Catholic Church kind of was like, I don't want Krampus because it's a he's very devil-esque. Mm-hmm. The Catholic Church and different civil authorities did try to put a ban on Krampus in the 1920s. And many of the sources I found stated that the areas in which the con- the traditions continued were sparsely populated and very rugged terrains and environments. So at that time, it was really hard for anyone to enforce this ban. But celebrating Krampus was considered illegal during that time. In the 1960s, the ban was lifted and it was again legal to celebrate celebrate Krampus. In many cultures, it is still common to receive the uh, Krampus, Krampus carton which is a Krampus card. Uh, these cards have been exchanged since the 19th century. Uh, some of these cards are often a little more risque. Um, a lot of these cards greet them with Gurs von, von Krampus, which is greetings from Krampus. In many of the cards, it depicts Krampus stuffing a child into his satchel, preparing to hit a child with his bundle of sticks, leading children away in chains, pulling on pigtails or ears of children. In the early 20th century, some cards even depicted Krampus proposing to women. Uh, Krampus has even been portrayed as a woman whipping men with her birch sticks and carrying them off in her satchel. Some believe that this goes back to the perched tradition from um, way back when that kind of the perch is kind of combined now with Krampus and people think they're the same, but the perched was actually a female. Wow. And so that a lot of people are like, well, maybe they're just bringing that in. Uh, In others, a woman dangles a defeated looking Krampus in the air, holding his bundle of birch sticks behind her back or like kind of degrading him a little, I guess. Oh, okay. Um, That's meant to show like there's a possibility that Krampus is just like. He's he is just weak when it comes to women. He is. He can't control himself. <laughs> Women are the best. Women and schnapps. He just can't say no. I, I guess. In other cards, they do have a very sexual overtone where Krampus is shown pursuing women. Uh-oh. And over time, the cards have changed and the image of Krampus is less frightening. And they said more Cupid-like. I still don't see the Cupid. I see the more cartoonish-like. Yeah. I but don't, I don't see a Cupid in any of these. Yeah. Well... Krampus, nowadays, he is still celebrated. There are tons of places where Krampus is celebrated in general, um, which includes here in America. Uh, I actually have a TikTok I'm going to send you. Ooh. If I can find my TikTok app. One. I'm sorry. I'm so excited. I hate the word that just left my mouth, or the noise that just left my mouth. But <laughs> You might got to wait. No. You might got to wait. You might need to wait. Uh- <laughs> I don't know what's happening hold on let me send this to you so the one that i sent you is actually a celebration in austin texas Ooh, okay and just so you can kind of see like the parades and all the things that people still do to celebrate celebrate krampus and let me tell you while amanda's pulling that up i had so much fun pulling these krampus cards because my god they were the best thing in the entire universe like the one of the lady just holding him up and she's just so well dressed, smiling at the camera. Like, look at, oh, it's wonderful. There are plenty that are depicting a female Krampus where she's collecting men 
One that I have to yell at Amanda about to stop researching Krampus, okay. even though I very clearly called dibs on it in the last episode, um, where she is just collecting men in her basket. We can't decide if she's happy or not. She. We can't decide if the man in her basket is happy or praying, because to me it looks like prayer hands. Uh, to me, I thought it was happy hands, and when I showed he was, James, he said the same thing. He said listen, he looks excited. I think he looks like he's praying. Oh, and also, I wasn't researching. I scrolled across it on Facebook, which Facebook, for some reason, decided to show me it's not my fault. In America, we have no privacy. Yes, thank you. We have no privacy, and Facebook heard us talking about Krampus, okay? I'm just telling you that he does not look like he's got happy hands. I interpreted him as praying. He, to me, looks like he's got, like, straight up, like, giddy hands. Like, either he's clapping or he's, like, excellent. He's, like, please, Lord, save me. And I think what it is is the mustache. Because you can't see, like, a smile or a spooked anything. He's mm-hmm. just got a mustache. Yeah. But. Um, I also did include a couple pictures of different uh, parades of Krampus from around the world. Mm-hmm. These um, are so cool. I'll, I appreciate how. All of them are, like, they share the same similarities, but they're so mm-hmm. different. They are. They're so, they're so crazy. So that is Krampus for you. So now Amanda knows how to put Annie into submission. And uh, do I need to send you some a bundle of birch rods that you can paint gold and put in the house year-round to remind them of Krampus? Is it bad that I considered that and putting it yeah. out with the Christmas tree? No. Because you could definitely, I could, look, I could DIY the hell out of a Krampus birch wood. It's a broom, y'all, okay? It really, it is. It looks like one of those old school straw brooms. Oh, I can't remember. There is a picture that I saw where it actually showed, um, like, Krampus, but a woman, like, with her broom, and it was showing that she had the birch rod or the broom. I don't know. I don't know if I put it on there. I don't think I did. I'd have to find it again. But yes, it's definitely, if you want to emotionally and psychologically damage your children, go ahead and tell them about Krampus and let a drunk man chase them around the house for being naughty. See, that's the part that I'm just can't get on board with letting random drunk people chase my children through. Okay, well, here, listen, we can make it less random and we can dress Cody up and get him drunk to do it. Okay, that's fine. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's fine. All right. That's the story of Krampus. Any other questions, comments, concerns regarding him? No, I feel like you nailed it. I was so excited for this. And then when I saw that on Facebook, y'all literally like what, two days ago, <laughs> I was like, I really hope you added this. And then she yelled at me. I very aggressively yelled at her via text message. Yeah. We had like four minutes of nothing but caps lock on both sides. <laughs> Because how dare you even look at it? But it's okay, because then I got my uh, little bit of payback on accident for your next story. Yeah. uh, I'm not going to tell y'all, because it'll still be a secret. But Bryce is like, hey, you should do this. And I was like, I'm literally doing that. So. Yes. That literally is what happened. It's the reason for the season, I suppose. Listen, just to prove that we're platonic soulmates even more. Is that I went, I should have thought of this. So now I'm going to need you to do this story for me. And And I had already started it. I'm already working on that. Please stop. Mm -hmm. 
Thank you all for listening to Hell on Heels podcast. To see pictures from this episode, you can follow us on Instagram at Hell on Heels podcast, Twitter at Hell on Heels pod, or Facebook by searching Hell on Heels podcast. You can find us on Linktree by typing in Hell on Heels podcast as well. If you want to support us, please like, review, rate, share, and subscribe on your preferred listening platform. If you want to take your support one step further so we can create more content for you, you can donate through Patreon, where we're working to release specials for our patrons. If you have your own true crime or paranormal stories, suggestions, or words of encouragement, please email us at Podcast at gmail.com. Thank you all so much for listening. Be sure to tell your friends to listen with you as well. Bye. Bye.